Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Second Chance Podcast. I'm your host, Raphael Rowe. Gary Mansfield, the artful dodger from episode 18 on this week's retake, agreed to transport what he thought was fake designer clothes labels, which actually turned out to be 4.2 million worth of Class A drugs. He received a 14-year sentence in prison and behind bars found solace through art. Gary shares with us his cathartic experience in surviving prison's challenges and his determination to change his life, making artwork and being the vessel for others to think differently. And when I've got in the dock and they've said to me is, I've explained that this guy Sid, and and Sid wasn't his real name by the way, but I've, I've explained that this guy Sid had got me involved. Um, he said he's sitting in this courtroom now, and I've looked over at the other guys who are um, on trial. I've looked over at this Sid, and he's put his head down, and I went, no. I, it was at that point I knew that I was going to jail, and he'd put his head down. I said, no, he's not here, and he looked straight up at his family and gave a little fist pump and went, Yes. And I just... Why did you feel the need to protect him? Because I couldn't stand... I've been a criminal all my life. And, I, and and to be honest, it sounds perfect, but I loved that life. I loved the, rom- the romance about it, you know, all the films and the books. I wanted to be a part of that. And I'm, as pathetic as it sounds, I was a part of that, you know, and, and I, I felt I was. Um, I was knocking about... But at that moment, you knew, Gary, that you would end up getting a very long sentence because this was a serious crime and you you had a way out, but you didn't want to be labelled a grass or you didn't want to... Yeah, well, pretty much it wasn't the thing to do. And the way I figured it, I lived by these rules, so then I fall by the rules because that was that so-called criminal code, which... I later found out is a complete load of bollocks. You know, when you when you get to it all, you know, no one believes in that. That the worst ones 
are the ones at the top. You know, they're, they're, they're at the top for a reason because they're, they're sort of, you know, getting rid of everyone below them. And I, I, I just couldn't stand up. I, I didn't want... I had a good reputation. You know, I had a good name. I didn't want people to sort of... Go, even if even if these big London gangsters were saying it's all right, it's, it wasn't all right in my heart because that's the rules I lived by. I thought, you're right, this is going to get me out of jail. It'll save me a few years in jail. But I knew that in my heart, I'd be carrying that around with me for the rest of my life. You know, and I, I wasn't, I couldn't do that. It, it's such an important point because I think, you know, for those who are not caught up in that criminal fraternity or environment, the real criminal fraternity, I'm not talking about gangsters, I just mean crime in general and the loyalty that you think you have to your comrades in crime or, or co-defendants, etc., and all these people that kind of read about it or see it um, and they think it's such a, an admirable thing. And you've just hit the nail on the head by saying it doesn't really exist. You know, those at the top are at the top because they are the biggest grasses of them all or, or some way. So it's important that you, you delivered that message to people that they mustn't believe that myth. And although you have your own morals and values and couldn't bring yourself to do it when you later learned that, that actually the existence of it means that you suffer and no one else suffers, but actually they would have turned around and made you suffer when you wouldn't have made them suffer, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's an important point that you make there, Gary, that people need to understand that this world of criminality, although on the surface and in movies it looks quite quite romantic and it's all about loyalty and I wouldn't. The reality is the majority do turn each other over and they will grasp as quickly as they possibly can to save their own skin. You were found guilty and sentenced to 14 years? Yeah, I was expecting 18 because it was, you know, it, it was £4.2 million. It wasn't, you know, you, you can't pass that off as a bit of personal, you know. And I expected 18. Other people had got sort of 20s and that, that I'd heard of, you know, 18, 20. I knew on the on the ladder of the five of us that were there, I was second from bottom. Or I was either second or third from bottom with me and the other guy who brought it over from from Holland. So I, I thought I'd get about 18. I got 14. And I was prepared for, for doing nine. So in my head, I'd already... Oh, I know it sounds a bit strange, but in my head, I'd already done two years because I was expecting to get out when I was 33. And now the judge gave me 14, which meant I'd done seven. Now I'm getting out when I'm 31. And I was, as I say, I was mentally prepared for it. So I've already done two years on on that day, you know. What did the others get? Three got not guilty. And the guy who brought it over, he got found guilty. He got 15. So just the two of you got sentenced. You, yeah. who didn't even really get very far because you put it into the back of the car, didn't even get in the car and were nicked and ended up getting 14 years. Let that be a lesson to anybody who wants to get caught up in the in the world of drug trafficking. 14 years, went to prison here in the UK. Even though your mind was prepared for the length of time that you were willing to do, you kind of accept, you went not guilty, got found guilty. Once you were found guilty, you accepted responsibility, did you? And just knuckled down and got on with your your sentence. Yeah, well, I mean, all I could do was, I mean, I had for, for a few years, I was just thinking about what I was going to do to ones who got me into this. And it was screwing me. Like every single night I was thinking, I'm going to go out. When I get out, I'm going to find them. Or I'm going to go and get them. 
take them away. I knew where I was going to bury them. You know, all of that sort of crazy, crazy stuff that I had going on every single, not some nights, every single night I was getting it in my head. I'm going to take them away. I'm going to do this to them, do that to them, finish them off where I'm going to bury them. And I had everything planned and it was screwing me over. Screwing. And I was, I told one of my friends one night, uh, one day, and he just went, You've got to get that out of your mind, mate. This is going to be a hard sentence if you're going to take that attitude every single night, like torture yourself every night. And um, that was the best bit of advice because I, I did stop doing that. I wanted to get out of crime and I was looking at the people around me. And when I was hearing people saying things, you know, like when they're people again, like using little phrases, oh, he's one of your own and all these little bits and pieces where... I was hearing people speak and I thought, I don't want to sound like that. I don't want to be that. They sound like fucking idiots. I don't want to be that anymore, you know? And then I just started looking at my life, what it could have been. You know, my brother, we grew up on the same estate, obviously, you know, me and my brother. My brother's as straight as a die. So something went wrong. You know, we both had the same upbringing. We both had the same, we both went without as kids, you know, we had exactly the same upbringing, yet I went in one direction, he went in the other. So it was something to do with me. I can't blame it all on, you know, being coming from a, a one-parent family, you know, on a poor council estate. That That isn't good enough. Well, I understand that, and I suppose lots of other people understand that because often people use that as an excuse, don't they? I myself grew up in a council estate, and nearly everybody around me led a law-abiding life. My life went in a completely different direction, and I was partly to blame for, for, for some of that. Where did you go to do your 14 years? And when I say where did you go, I mean, when somebody gets 14 years for attempted distribution or what it, trafficking of heroin, you know, I don't suppose they go to an open prison. Where did you go to? And what was it like in prison for you with that kind of sentence over your head? Well, I went into Chelmsford first on remand. So there was a year in Chelmsford on remand. Then I went to Swellside which I was there, which is a, a, a Category B, high security on the Isle of Sheppey in Kent. Not a nice place. I remember it well. It's, it's not the nicest of places, is it? It's got quite a bad reputation. A lot of very hardcore prisoners there. <laughs> Raphael, I had a fight within five minutes of being on the wing. I was having a fight with two guys who, who wanted some tobacco off me. I said no. They come back. I said no. They come back again. I told them to fuck off. They come back and, again, tooled up. Wanted to have a, within five minutes... I'm fighting with... And that's the reality, yeah. isn't it? That's the real reality of prison. With a couple of... Uh, Did you win? Yeah, of course. I mean, I had a little hole in my side, but it wasn't a it wasn't a big one. You know, it was the, the guy stabbed me with a pencil or something small. It only went in a little bit. It, it, you know, that it was just a, a little small wound, but they was out the cell. They was gone. They didn't mess me about anymore and just sort of carried on from there. But yeah, within literally within five minutes... And was Swellside where you first picked up this this ability or this insight into art? Or did you leave Swellside and come back? Or was it in another prison that you you discovered that art was something that could change your, your life? Yeah, it was in Swellside. That's where I, I wanted to sort of try and change. I went on to the art class, as I say, fell in love with art. And it's it's something, it's a world away from from anything I'd ever done before, you know. And, and, and how do you manage that? How do you manage surviving? You've already talked about two people coming at you within minutes of being inside that particular prison because of its volatility. How do you navigate trying to keep yourself safe 
um, from attack or uh, people who want to take things from you and focus on you know educating yourself or, or changing your life because there's always going to be a challenge in prison you know even when you don't want it it will come at you and that can end up disrupting who you are and what you're trying to do and the authorities don't see that they often just see the the negative side of it even if you stand there all day and get blue in the face trying to explain hey it wasn't your fault you've been trying to do the right thing but when two people come at you trying to take something you've got to defend yourself otherwise you'll be vulnerable throughout the rest of your sentence so how did you manage that gary well luckily when i got there i had my friends outside knew people in there so i had a not a welcoming party that's a bit of an exaggeration but there was people there who approached me and said oh i'm friends of so and so they said you was coming you know here's a few bits and pieces so i knew people there anyway I knew people there that I'd known from the outside. I knew people there from Chelmsford Prison as well. And because the guys who um, were friends of friends there had a big reputation in the jail, I sort of went in under their umbrella, if you like, you know. And if, if you're sort of quite aggressive in your approach, you know, aggressive by nature or firm, if you like to call it that, that sort of because you're in that closed environment, your personality sort of comes out and can be seen, you know. So if people think you're a, a bit of a, a hard nut, you sort of get left alone or confronted, you know, and I didn't get confronted too much. And I'm I'm not a bad bloke either, you know. I'm always sort of laughing and joking and I sort of I've always got on well with people, you know. I'm, I've never been a sort of a a bully or a, a a racist or anything like that, you know. So I've got no Nothing there. And I've worked a lot with travellers as well. And there was quite a few travellers there that were friends of friends or probably related to friends, you know. So that's how you coped and survived. But how would you describe prison for those, you know, when when you went in as an 18 year old or or, or as a teenager or got in trouble with the law, some of your friends saw it as a bit of kudos. And we know those stories, don't we? We know that cliche where people start saying, oh, you've been to prison, you must be tough, et cetera, et cetera. But for those people who, who hesitate and and wonder what it's really like in prison and only those who have the lived experience that you and I do. How how would you deliver that message to people who who are trying to tell people that prison is not a nice place? And I'm not sort of saying, you know, oh, it's just violent, you know, but I'm talking about your insight, Gary. How would you describe prison, the reality of of prison and the psychological challenges that that you you have to overcome even as a guilty man? Well, it is a, a bit of a sort of a roller coaster, as, as you're well aware. There is the camaraderie. You know, the, the, there are plus sides. There's, there's no denying it. And, well, it changed my life, as it did yours. You know, would, would we both be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for jail? So there can be positives come out of it if you're positive. If you go in and you're negative and you just want to carry on as you were, you're just going to come out as you were. You know, you've got to sort of sow your own seed, if you like, you know. But, yeah, there's camaraderie in there with, with your friends. If you choose the right friends, you know, it can be a a good, positive place. But on the whole, man, it, you know, I mean, the people who get who get nicked are criminals and they're all in one, in one space. And, yes, a lot of the guys are nice. It is a reflection of society, but condensed. And there is some horrible, nasty people, not all of them, on the surface, you know, some of them could be quite respectable, quite normal people, but it's it's not a nice environment to be in. It's very negative. Um, I ruined 
my family for several years, which had an impact on me to this day. The thing of being cheated, um, like being so gripped onto these rules that I was following as a criminal and then realising that that it was all a waste of time. And that that is how I sum up prison, is just a waste of time. I could have been a, a litter picker in you know, McDonald's going around picking up rubbish off the street and I would have earned more than I ever did as a criminal, you know, in them seven years. From the young boy who used to romanticise about the world of crime to now having the kids he wished he had been growing up. The Artful Dodger has indeed broken the chain and put his own stamp of a positive spin on his time in prison. Retake 6 is a clip from episode 18 with Gary Mansfield. You can listen to the complete episode on whatever platform you download or listen to podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends, family and colleagues and follow the show for updates about new episodes by just clicking on subscribe. You can also be a part of this podcast by rating and reviewing what you've heard and tell us what you think. More importantly, tell others what you think by leaving some comments and feedback. If you'd like to purchase a copy of my book, Notorious, go to www.raphael-row.com. Thanks for listening to Second Chance Podcast. Audio editing is by Audio Avalanche. The original music by J-Road Productions. The cover design work is by Studio Minerva. Social media creator is Sophie Warner. This episode was produced by Kim Collicutt and me, your host, Raphael Rowe. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. 
They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code MOM.